Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about custom components. We're talking about custom meeples, custom boards, custom dice, custom inserts, everything except for miniatures. We're going to do that in a different episode. And today we're talking to Eduardo Baraf. Am I saying your name right, Baraf? I'm Baraf. Baraf. There you go. Eduardo Baraf. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, for maybe people hadn't heard of you, maybe they hadn't seen all your incredible Kickstarter videos and whatnot on the League of Game Makers, which I highly recommend. If, if you have some time to, to check out uh, Eduardo's videos, please go, go watch those. Extremely valuable. A lot of insight on how to do Kickstarter and really a lot of other stuff. But, uh, Eduardo, maybe people hadn't heard of you, so, so kind of give me a, a quick bio, a quick background of who you are, what you've been doing, and maybe some games you've done. Sure. Uh, I mean, I've been fortunate enough that I've been making games my entire career. My professional career has mostly been video games. Um, but in the board game scene, um, the first thing I ever did was Murder of Crows, which is a card game. I actually co-designed it with Thomas Denmark, and Atlas Games released it. Um, and then since then, uh, in, in some gaps between the video game stuff, I started Pencil First Games and... First game I did was Liftoff, Get Me Off This Planet. All my stuff is Kickstarter and sort of self-published. Then uh, the following year, I did Gem Pack Cards and The Siblings Trouble. And just this year, just maybe, I don't know, two weeks ago, uh, released Heroes and Tricks and Herbaceous. So um, done about five games, having a lot of fun. At the same time, after Liftoff, I started wanting to do things that help the community engaged people on a regular basis. I mean, you, a game's going to take you a year to make and then a year to ship, right? So it's a long cycle. Um, but uh, I started doing video uh, board game reviews and then these League of Game Maker videos you mentioned at the start, which are on all sorts of topics, um, but just looking for ways to engage and help the community. So um, that's sort of what I do. Absolutely. And the main reason I want to talk to you today is because a couple of your games have got some really cool custom components but you also since you go through kickstarter you, you do the publishing side so you know what it's like to have to talk to the manufacturer figure out all the sure. art figure out all the different ins and outs of things and so i'm uh, really excited to talk to you today about that stuff let's talk about liftoff you know kind of give a brief synopsis about the game and then let's get into the, the little custom dudes the little wooden yeah, guys. The, the alien eples. so yeah. liftoff is this sort of big box family game where you're starting there's aliens in at the core of this planet and one of them is tripped over a coolant cable and the whole thing's going to explode and so each player has 10 aliens and your alien equals and you're trying to move them off the planet by going out pipes and then getting to the surface and taking all these different types of ships to take off and and they um semi-cooperative because early on you're sort of the different vehicles require more players than one player might have, and so are aliens. So you're working together, but you're always trying to... You're sort of working together at the start, and then as it shifts to the back half of the game and you want to win, people start not working together, sort of like Survivor, right? Uh, the, the custom bits in that game are, one, you have these, these little custom wooden meeples, um, which you know aren't that particular. One of the neat things we did was we also had them painted, so they, they look really cool and, and painted, right? Uh, and then also the board is a modular board where you can terraform in new new segments. So it's a circular, uh, 
puzzle cut board on top of a normal style board. So it's got a lot of different components and pieces, um, but you know, it's light, it's fun. You're, you're, it's sort of lightweight set collection and, and movement and tactical type of game. Yeah, and so, you know, like you said, it's got the custom board. It's also got custom dice, a custom insert, and those custom little meeples. That's, that's why I'm really excited to kind of... It did also have custom dice, yes. Yeah, get your insight on this. So let's talk about the meeples for a second. So they're not your normal, you know, carcassonne-shaped meeple. Uh, it, sure. It's kind of got this this custom shape, and they're painted. And so kind of walk me through the process of, of how you get that from idea to in the box and, and looking good. So So that was really early on. It was funny. I was assuming they were just going to be your little you know, Carcassonne type meeples, just standard meeple. And at the time, I, this was a great project. I was working on the artist who did, did all the, um, you know, all the, all, all the art in the game, Nicole Kelly. But she also, we were working on the game and playing it, and she was working on the board art. And she was like, do they have to be those, I mean, she was like, do they have to be those stupid standard things? And I was like, well, what do you want them to be? <laughs> yeah. What else is there? And she's like, well, could, like, could, could, I, could, could I make you some? Could, like, could we cut out? And I was like, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to make it sometime. But sure, why not? It sounds like it's expensive, but whatever. So what do you mean? And so she, uh, she had a jigsaw, right? <laughs> and she made these, the, uh, the prototype meeples. At first she made them, and then she was like, I think that we need to paint them. I was like, what do you mean you need to paint so she's like, well, let me show you. And her original, you don't know this, her original, she paint, she hand-painted the first ten, all had different faces. Oh, wow. They were all like 100% custom, like handmade little guys. Yeah. And and she got through maybe ten. She's like, I can't, I can't paint, hand-paint them anymore. Um, can I just, can I paint them all with the same face? I'm like, whatever you want. It was your idea. <laughs> right. um, so, but I, in my, I had these great prototypes. One of the things that was very successful about Liftoff, because even with those custom components, I had prototyped the entire, we had a, a heavy box prototype. But anyway, so we had the idea, um, and we liked them, we liked them. And, and I included it as a stretch goal in my Kickstarter, but from the get-go, I was, that was the sort of goal that I wanted. First to have them, then uh, they had sticker, a common way to do paint is just to do stickers, a sticker sheet. And then painted, and, and we hit all the stretch goals. So on the, on the custom side, you know, it's not too bad. But you know, locally, if you want to just prototype with custom pieces, there are tons of laser cut wood guys that'll do it for you. Um, I think, what's that guy's name? I forget the name of his company. I have a guy I've used the numbers times. His name is um, Christopher Urinko, um, and he's online. Is somebody I met online in the community who like has a you know. A, laser wood cutter thing in, in, in his garage or something, or has a little company, a sign company. But there's tons now of places where you can do the sort of prototyping with woodcut for a specific shape. But so once you have your idea of your shape, then you're going to be working with the manufacturer. You can work with Panda, you can work with Watts, you can work with whoever you're working with. And really, it's not that hard. You're going to say, hey, here's the shape. They don't. Uh, on a punch board, it's actually harder. On a punch board, you have to know the size of the punch board and what the layout is. And like you basically have to have a piece of art and then all the things. My experience in, with the woodcut is, is they don't care so much about – it's not going to go into the box on a sheet. They're just going to print it the easiest way for them possible or cut it the easiest way for them possible. So – you basically give the, the you need to have a line uh, like a, a illustrator or, or fine line art of the, the piece in the shape you need. You need to think about things like thickness, um, fragil fragility is that a word like how 
how breakable it is and, and how thin each of the little pieces are. But once you have your core shape, you basically do a little like 3D line art. It's not like a model. It's just like how, you know, like if you were to draw a box on a piece of paper and like make a 3D box, you just do that in black uh, for the shape and the depth. So you need to know the size, the, the, the area, you know, the area of it, the, the depth, the width, all the different dimensions of this piece of wood. And then you have to pick your paint color. And typically that's going to be Pantone colors, which is different than everything else you're doing. So normally you, you're doing CMYK on your art. Some people start an RGB for their cards, but then you're going to go to CMYK. But when you're painting something, it's a different color set. So you have to pick from Pantone colors. Like uh, if you're like painting your house and you go like to the store and you have all the colors on the on the on the um, on a little piece of paper, like you like to think about colors, you can act, like go get paint chips and like go go to go to Lowe's or whatever and, and see what color you want. Um, but you give them that, and then and then you give them the rest for the painted um, character faces. It was pretty much the same. You just you took that same little piece of art, but then you provided them with a painted one, and it was really about defining the colors. Most printers you work with will take that and work it into their system and recreate it. So again, like on a punch board, they're going to literally take your art file for a wooden piece. It's more like, Hey, make it look like this. And then they'll send you samples. Gotcha. So let's talk about the costs that are involved. So what's the cost compared to, all right, just the normal standard meeple, right? The, the general deal compared to just the shape, you know, just having the custom shape meeple. It's a good question. Um, just kind of general, not you know, doesn't have to get in the dollars or cents. It's just kind of a general idea. It, it, it's it's more, but not a ton more. I mean, look, look, it depends on how big your wood is, right? Like, I, think of it as a sort of by amount of wood than anything else. There's a little bit of a leap. If you're going a hundred percent standard, like literally, like I want square cubes that are the same size as any other square cubes. Those are pretty cheap because they're not printing printing it for you. They're just printing a billion of them and then just grabbing you a handful. Right. Um, when you do something custom, they're going to print just for you. So uh, it's probably twice as expensive. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a jump. Custom dice are more, but it's not crazy. I mean, I I, I think it's it's. And again, it depends on how much you're doing. If you're making one custom guy, one custom one guy in a box because he's like the bad guy, and then everything else is standard, that's not gonna that's not gonna be too bad. But I could I, you know. It's not cheap, cheap, cheap. It's not like if you're just like, I want my game to have two decks of cards, standard wooden squares, and meeples. That's going to be a lot cheaper than any of this custom stuff. But as far as custom goes, I think it's a lot closer to do a wooden, a custom wooden thing than to do plastics or, or molds. Yeah. Um, the other, you're 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 not going to deal with my experience at least was I didn't have to, when you do wood, you don't have to deal with building a mold because it's a it's a cut. So, you don't usually like if you do custom molded dice rather than etching, or you do uh, miniatures, you have to pay for a mold up front, and that's a like a fixed cost of a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, you don't really have to deal with that on on the wooden side. Right. Well, let's let's talk about the cost as far as okay, you got the custom shape, but now you want it painted as well. So, how much of a jump is there just to have it custom painted as well? Well, so your base layer is usually going to be sort of included, right? So if you're like brown or red or blue, like every. Very few people ship like wood, right. non-painted. But then, if you want to put the actual paint on, usually it depends on the system they're using and the amount, because I think they can silk screen or do other things. But it was sort of buy additional color, like it, it was like for every little silk screen they're going to put on top to to make the whole set, they 
added a cost. So in other words, don't have, you know, 25 colors. You're yeah, to yeah. I mean, just, just understand the amount you're – if you want it to really look photorealistic, just do a sticker. Like <laughs> right. if you're going to paint it, you know, paint it fun. And there's also – I mean, if all, I would highly recommend Meeple Source. Mm. Meeple Source has a ton of cool stuff. That's mostly consumer-facing, but, you know, if you're willing to do a little legwork, you probably could call them up and say, I really like your thing. Can I use your design? Who's your printer? Is there and you might be able to get um, – because you don't want to, like, ship from the States to, to China or if they're manufacturing or if you're manufacturing in the States, you don't want to have something shipped from China. But so you might – there might be a way to help them get low-cost, high-volume, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind a, a big print. So there, there should be other ways. What are what are some things to have to keep in mind when communicating with the manufacturer about these custom little dudes? You know, you talked about you got to send them the the measurements, the area, the dimensions, all that stuff. Anything else as far as you know, getting samples and and just making sure the things are going to look right. You know, basically from your head and into the box. Yeah, I mean, on any of that stuff, you want to be able to have a good enough relationship with your printer that um, you feel like you're communicating well back and forth. Um, and then you need you need to you need to see a sample. I mean, the, they'll do samples. So um, you know, in liftoff, we went through a couple because the paint, the coloring came was coming out weird, and it wasn't too red. Or so you know, you just need to to. Oh, I guess the better the most important thing to consider and remember is budgeting. Mm. So if you so in a Kickstarter, a lot of people try to, and I mean budgeting of time. In a Kickstarter, people have this type timeline they think they're going to send most manufacturers source out of where to get this stuff so they don't all do it in one place so they're going to there's a guy a company that does the wooden things and it's not the company you're dealing with even uh, not every company but many and so if they're like hey we're going to do these custom dudes for you they have to ask that other company to get them that thing and then they get it and send it to you and so you can't just assume it's going to be right the first time and most schedules are are built on right the first time and on something that's like a custom component, you need to expect you're going to see it, that you might have a problem. And then the whole next step is going to be a whole nother month of, 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 of revisions because you have to get back into some company schedule. They're not on your, they're not like going to just go fix it the next, they, they got to wait in line, right? So I think generally whenever you're doing custom components, you should expect more iteration and more time than if you just did everything standard. Yeah, that's a great point. And that kind of speaks to why so many Kickstarters don't ship on time or don't ship by the, the date they have listed. Sure. Yeah, they, yeah. they don't budget this this process into things. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, the custom dice. You mentioned custom dice a moment ago. You talked about etching. You talked about all these different things. Let's kind of go into the, the different aspects. Custom dice, I think, are pretty easy. What you're going to be doing, you need to know the dimension of your die, right? Is it 14 millimeter, 15 millimeter, 16 millimeter? Um, that's really easy. Just, you know, pick the go, you go find a die that's the size you want. Right. I mean, luckily dies are, are the, 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 the material of the die and the, like this resin, there's different types of, you know, stuff inside. You can go to a game store and look at a bunch of dice and on the back of the die box, it's going to say exactly what it is. So you can get that. I want the die to feel this way pretty easily by touching other games and just finding out the answer. Once you know what kind of square or cube you want, then it's 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 really straightforward. You're gonna you, you know you want to have the color that you want the die to be, um, and then the faces. And the faces typically they'll 
a lot of times they'll ask you to fill out like a a sheet that has it in the you'll you'll do like a black version like a silhouette version and then you'll do it in, as a sort of it's all silhouettes I guess but sometimes you do a color version to show them the colors if there's a color on the inside of the sketch or whatever and then sometimes they'll make you do the little um, foldable square thing where you can do it. I always think that's a good idea, but you do that so that they know where the face is and the orientation of the faces. Right. So once you do all that, you have really two decisions for custom dice. You, you can do molded custom dice or etched cuts of custom dice. The per unit cost of etched is more expensive. That's when they have a, a die and they have a like a machine that like actually scrapes in the the shape on each side of it. The other option is molded. Molded's upfront cost is way higher. I mean, ha- etched doesn't have an upfront cost or shouldn't or have a small one. Whereas I have a cat in the background. Where um, molded, you have to pay for the mold upfront, and that's it could be a thousand, two thousand. It depends on how many faces, how many dice you're doing, and really that decision is going to be. How many dice are in your box and how you how unique are you? If you're doing one custom die, but there's only one per box, and maybe in total you're doing a thousand of them because you're making a thousand prints, you're you're probably way cheaper to do etched because there's just not that many. If you're doing twenty per box, and maybe they're all the same, they're all the same custom die. Like you're, you're you want to have like a star face on one of your dice. I guess uh, Dice Stars, I just, just playing is a good example. It's got like 20 dice that are custom, but they're all the same custom. That might be a case where you do a mold because you're going to print so many dice that the, make, the fact that they're cheaper is it makes up for the fact that you had to pay for the thousand up front. If you're working with your printer, they should be able to tell you the, the quote. Like you should know exactly how many dice you're going to make, right? Like it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise to you that you need 75 per box. You're doing a thousand boxes. You can do, and then you can look at the two prices and really just look at the uh, cost. The quality and mold is better that you can typically, and you can do more slightly more finite designs on that. But etched, I think for most people is fine. Like I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't steer away from etched. I think it's really just, the quality but molded is premium and certainly if if like you want to make metal dice or something like that but but for your typical resin ones or plastic ones that's how you're going to go about it yeah and so you really just need to look at the scale and the numbers and see what what makes more sense yeah it's just the math on that one from my perspective yeah well what about uh, like screen printed dice where they're just printing the, the the shape or whatever on on top of the die there are some there are some solutions like that there are also sticker dice um I, those, I, I haven't seen the numbers on those. I suspect those are typically used more in, in sort of smaller print and play custom, the game crafter type sets. Um, I think some of the problems you can get with, with paint or screen painted dice can be where it's flat. It's not etched. Um, probably they wear over time, but they dip it in like a plastic saw, you know, it gets pretty well covered. So, um, I would suspect that's cheaper than etching, um, but I actually haven't ever quoted or used one of those. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel like it's cheaper, but like you're saying, it's going to wear off. You know, I've got a friend, he's got the, the original Doom board game, you know, and all yeah. the dice, and this humongous, expensive game, the dice are screen printed. And so yeah. he's played it so many times that the dice are, are blank on some of the sides. You yeah, just yeah, have yeah. to, uh, you know, figure it out. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're probably cheaper, but, you know, sometimes, I don't know, 
when it comes to dice, I mean, you're, you're starting to talk about cents lands. Like, this one's two cents more than this one, and this one's four cents more than this one. It really, again, is going to come down to volume of dice um, and, and the, 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 how different you want to make each side. Definitely. So let's talk about custom boards. You know, like you sure. said, liftoff had the, the circular board. What are, what are things to take into consideration there? Yeah, well, so there's a, boards are pretty straightforward. There's a wide range of boards you can do in terms of the shape of the fold, the number of sides. But most game manufacturers have done a ton of those, um, as is the um, sort of punch board, right? So for, for liftoff, um, a custom, the, when you're going to do a highly precise custom board, uh, sometimes you do something different than punch board. It's called puzzle cut. It's just a more precise version, and actually they do a... Um, a higher, a more expensive um, die process for that one. Um, and the, the reason you do that is for interlocking pieces. Um, so when you think of a custom board, I mean, again, most of this stuff, the, the top recommendation, you're going to do it, you got to make it yourself, right? Don't, don't have a custom board idea that you're sort of iterating on with the manufacturer. That's going to be really expensive. You want to go out of your way, starting, you know, start on paper and then if you can work with a local makerspace or something to actually have something custom cut, you're going to get closer to getting your shapes right, your dimensions right, and your and your lines right. So, and that's much cheaper. If you're just, I want to go get, you know, I want to go down to tap plastics and get a plastic one of these. I still have to give them the shape. I have to give them this, but they're only going to charge me twenty bucks, right? Like, and and then I, I can have it to get my dimensions right. Um, but Otherwise, it's mostly the same as punch board, where you you need to know what your thickness is going to be. You need to know what your you know whether what your finish on the on the paper is going to be. But then you're basically giving them two large digital files. One being the art, and the other one being the cut um, that is going to go on top of the art, which is the same as you would do with the punch board. It just has to be way more precise because you're going to have. Typically on a punch board, you never have pieces touching. So on a punch board, you're gonna, you know, you're laying out your like little uh, tokens, and your tokens all need space between them um, so that they don't bleed each other, and it's not as precise. On a puzzle cut, you're actually gonna have the thing you're making assembled, so you're gonna have the closed version of it all, and then they're gonna cut it. Um, so it's it's just a it's a it's a it's a little bit of a different layout than than a punch board, but you know if you're working with your manufacturer, they can take you through that. Right. And now is this a similar process as far as the samples? And you want to get it and you want to put it together, and make sure it looks right, and then go back. And if it doesn't, the same kind of process. It is, but there's you know just to be clear on those process, a lot of times you're looking for really big mistakes or art problems. With the wooden meeples, you can change the shape a little bit. But anything that you have, like a like a like a die mold, if you're making a die mold, they you know, unless it's unless it's on them where they messed up, you're going to be in trouble if you're trying to get them to remake a die mold because you didn't give them the right file, right? right. So, uh, and similar, you know, it would have been really you sort of have to some of these things you have to get right on the first run, um, but still we had a review, and everything worked out on that one. But yeah, you you definitely are, look before you. And this is pretty common. You're going to get a white sample before you actually go into the print. So they'll get out of the components. They'll have everything ready. And then usually they'll send you this white box 
with white dice and with like, everything in it. And or usually, actually, the first one, if you're doing custom dice or something, it usually would be the white box of white cards and then like your custom pieces that are unique to you. Um, and that's when you're going to essentially sign off on what's going to print. Once it's, you don't want to do any of that sign off once they're doing their thousand copies of them. You're sort of stuck at that point. Well, let's talk about the, the custom inserts, you know, and kind of the considerations with that and that, and that process. Cause I feel like, you know, that, that could be something that can go either way or there's not a lot of room to make mistakes. Cause if it doesn't, if you don't have the right size, your card's not going to fit or the stuff's not going to fit right. And it's just going to make the game box sit too high and all that. So what, walk me through that process. Yeah, that, that one I've been fortunate enough that working with the printer, in both cases with Panda, Panda will assist you through everything because you're sort of paying them to do that. But even with Watts and other people, for the custom inserts, they've been willing to mess around and, and, and work on it a little bit on their end. In terms of the inside of the box, usually, you know, you're just going to set, you, know, you can have an empty box, but you, at least usually you want to have those sort of, um, folded insides it's like a, a folded piece of um hard cardboard and from my experience they do that enough there that you don't have to worry too much you should just say hey inside the box we want a cardboard insert and i want to have the middle region be six inches and then the side region so usually it's just a diagram you you, you have a box and you can draw it inside of a box or you can just do a file where you're going to say, hey, here's – and look, if you're making a game, you need to have a graphic designer who's able to lay out your files. So you need to be able to find somebody who can show a diagram of a square and what sizes you want on the inside of a square. If you're having a hard time with that, you're going to have a hard time in general. But you want to do that. And then that is actually a piece of paper. So if you're doing something cool like painting the insert, like a Raptor, if you've ever played Raptor on the inside, there's all the art on and along. You then you can ask they'll make the the die cut and have the file and you say hey I want to paint it I, I want to print it on they'll send you the die cut uh, the sort of the layout of the file and then you'll have to have your artist paint or put the art on top of it um, and that's how you do sort of the standard um, cardboard inserts molded inserts are, are more complicated and again this is a place where I've, I've in many ways relied on um, my printers to help out but. It's the same sort of thing. I had a layout of a little diagram of here's where the plastic insert is, here's where the, the, the gaps, the depths are, here's where I want everything and how it's going to look. But then I, I actually let the, I've, I've, I've let them mostly handle the depth part and you just say, hey, I want it to fit one deck with some room. And they'll mess around and, 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 and give you an idea um, they're pretty good at that. Um, sometimes they charge you upfront for molded inserts, but a lot of that process is is pretty pretty straightforward. They, it's I don't I, I think they that's a place where not, I don't want to say people overcharge, but they they make a line out of, out of something that's not as it's not the same as making a, a mold that that process where they make they like take the machine they heat it up and they like stamp it. I think for these games they've gotten to the place where like. They're not making every single thing they're stamping every time. So I, I think um, I've been impressed with their ability to make a sample there and take a look at it. So, yeah. But no, I mean, so you, again, getting these are these are not like most of the people are used to game files. These are like diagrams, and you're really like you're you're saying it's this width by this height, and, and you know you're, you're being as precise as possible. But in the case of molded inserts. 
the team then sort of has to do some work on their end because it's just it's hard unless you've done them before it's hard to do that as precisely as possible that gotcha. is needed so let's talk about cost as far as you know just having the paper one versus the the molded what are, what are the the cost implications i have not seen a huge you know you're 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 i don't know maybe instead of 10 cents you're at 30 cents you know something like that maybe instead of 15 cents you're at 40 cents mm-hmm. so you know a lot of this stuff understanding and thinking about cost is important you got to sort of think of about how you, what kind of company you are making and and how you what, what kind of game you want to make right like pencil first games right now is a, is a hobby right like I, I do it a lot I make a lot I spend a lot of time on it but I have a full-time job I don't see pencil first games ever being in a position where it can pay for for me here in California and with my family and, and everything I think long term if I continue doing this for 15 years my kids graduate college and you know we move somewhere lower cost maybe in 15 years maybe it's made enough money that i could do it full time but you know so for me when i look at i don't i would rather a product that i'm proud of that i like that feels the way i want it to feel and doesn't make as much money versus one where like take herbaceous herbaceous is actually a decent example it has a nice size box it's got a, a nice finish on the box there's a custom insert inside it's got the punch board little um uh, marker tokens and then the decks of cards and the one finished. Herbaceous could could just be two decks of cards in in in, a, in, a, in one box, you know, like and probably all the extra stuff was an extra buck on top of what would have been, a, you know, a buck. You know, you just got to sort of decide how much whether you want to do that. If you're saying, hey, I want to make it custom, I think the prices don't add up that much in this range. So so doing no just a Cardboard insert versus a molded insert, you're going to add a little. Doing a custom die, you're going to add a little. It depends on how many. You're, gonna, you're always going to add a little. And then the problem is, you know, you just got to get ready for a little, 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 eventually becomes a lot. And it might not, on a Kickstarter, it doesn't matter. At some point, then you say, oh, well, my game was great on Kickstarter, and I want to go manufacture I want to. I want to go to retail. And then you're like, wait, I have to sell to retail at 50% and distributors at 40%. And then I I have to ship, you know, and then suddenly you're like, oh, but I'm making six bucks on a game that cost me five bucks. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Well, that's what happens because a a big box manufacturer will do bigger volume, but they also wouldn't necessarily do that. They'd say, well, why did you make your, why did you put foil on your pieces? Why didn't you just make them normal pieces, right? And one of the more common solutions to that these days is, a deluxe box in your Kickstarter that's a Kickstarter exclusive mm-hmm. and a normal one. And you're you're sort of expecting the normal one not to sell as much as the deluxe, but the normal one is what goes to retail. And that's one way to sort of say to have your cake and eat it too, right? That's one way to say, hey, I want to have this retail version that I think is better suited to that pricing scale, but I still want to have that awesome version. But you have to think about how you're going to go about it. And I think, it, like you're saying, it gets really into your goals. What are you trying to accomplish? If this is something you really want to be a company and your job and to make a living off of, well, your your process is going to be a little different and how you budget things and what you spend is going to be different because you're going to need to get into retail. You're going to need to get into distribution. But if this is just something that's fun, you love it, you enjoy it, you've got that one great idea, and this is you know it's not something you're wanting to do long term, well, maybe you know spend the extra cost and, and go for the cooler, more custom 
uh, stuff. But at the same time, you know, I'm thinking of, of Days of Wonder. You know, when they first came on the scene, they were amazing when it came to quality and their custom components and all those different things. And they built their brand, their company off of that just based on how amazing the games looked, how, you know, what the pieces were like and all that. And so, you know, it just really gets into what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So let's talk to or talk about uh, Heroes and Tricks because that one that one's got a custom box and not only is it a custom box but the box is a component making the key component to the game and I know you know w- working with that uh, was a pretty good little process so kind of tell people about the game and you know kind of how it works and yeah, let's ta- sure. let's talk through that process Heroes and Decks uh, Heroes and Heroes and Tricks is a is a game that is a trick taking game but it's played out of the boxes you mentioned and the box at first glance sort of looks like a deck box if you can imagine in your hand but in your head but it's it's a lot more sophisticated than that because it has different sort of inserts on the inside and then custom cuts on the on the actual box and then the, the lid's magnetic so that you can open and close it as you play because you're putting cards in and 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 basically on your turn you see some information and you put your card in in front of the last card and that that's through a little pee, uh, keyhole that's the only thing that you can see and then you pass it around so it's got the sort of hidden information element within the box and then it's got the lid that had had to be magnetic so magnetic so it could open quickly and so all these little things and it's its own shape because it's, it's i mean it's a, it's a rectangle but it's it's a little bit wider and then it has a sleeve on top as well it was a lot of work um that i i don't think you could do that without having access to a printer who was willing to work with you on it or really working locally to build it out and then get it right. So if you, if you watch, if you not to plug the video, but I did a league of game makers video on this one specifically. And I had like 10 versions of the box in front of me and I talked through the process. I was going back and forth with Watts games who I like very much. They're the printer that I use and all my stuff now and Aaron who worked there. And I was showing him what I was doing. He was taking it back. He was doing work. We, it was not a, they, they weren't invested other than printing it, right? But it was, they, as a partner, they were invested in really trying to get it right with me. And, you know, because there was a base box we started from, but then there was cuts. And then, hey, no, that's, that cut's not big enough. They sent me. I'd cut it further. I'd take photographs. That had a huge amount of back and forth. And, and it was really, they, they, they spent more as a company try, trying to help me get it, um, then I think normally they would, but it was the third game I'd done with them, right? So, and, and I was also going to be doing herbaceous. So, you know, that's a, when, like, a sort of separate topic is when you work with people, when you work with partners, you need to treat them well yeah. and pay them on time and, 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 and be responsive and thank them for their work. And when you do all that stuff and you engage with them, they're more likely to help you out. So when I had this com- more complex project, you know, they're like, oh, how are we going to do this? Let's figure it out. And, and, and they really helped. Again, it all comes down to figure out what you want, prototype it on your end so you know exactly how you should do it, get the basic file layout done, and then depending on how complex, in this case, it was working with the manufacturer. A big part of Heroes and Tricks was the position and sizing of the magnets within the box. I didn't even have access to the magnets. I mean, it was their magnets, but they would send it, and then it'd be like, oh, this one stays shut too hard, or this one doesn't stay shut enough. And that was like basically sampling magnets and magnet positioning. And so, again, unless you have some patience and willingness from a partner on that, it's going to be really hard. 
Yeah, absolutely. But like what you're saying, you build relationships. You know, maybe for your first game, don't try to have a game that has this crazy custom box. You know, start yeah, small, no, for sure. Start small, work your way up. And 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 then it also comes down to choice. Like Liftoff again, I I could have started with way easier games, and maybe I should have. But I went with Panda, who's fantastic. Panda is notably more expensive than everyone else. And they're more expensive because they give you a product manager and a team and they work with you and they're, you're paying them more and they're willing and invest in helping you out. So they might not, I don't think Panda would have necessarily, I don't know how much they would have been willing to do the number of back and forths that Watts did. But when you deal with Panda, they have so much experience. They're very willing to say, what you're doing isn't going to work. What you're doing, why don't you try this? They they know the game scene and they know what you're trying to do and they can compare you to other products. They have a great reference point. But you're paying for that. You're paying more for that team to be there. Whereas when you're working with the more generic manufacturer, they're more just like, just what do you want me to print? I'll, I'll, I'll go print it. But they don't necessarily have that eye for the detail and eye for what you're trying to do. You know, I'm getting lots of, I mean, they're at all different levels. But they they're... Like I, Panda like went out of their way not to let you do something stupid. You're not going to get that with a lot of other printers. But again, you're paying for it. And that gets into do your research. Know who you're working yeah. with. Don't don't just assume. Don't just Google, uh, you know, a few and you go. Oh, I'm going. I'm going to go with them. No, spend the time because this is a money thing. This you know has huge implications on your Kickstarter, your timing, your all those things. And so do do your research. Yeah. Let's talk about the sleeve. So you you know you mentioned that the Heroes and Tricks has a sleeve over top of it. Talk, let's talk about the you know and that's, that's technically a custom component. So let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, that was an interesting one. What ended up happening was we wanted to have this boxes component, and when you have a boxes component, then you're holding it in your hand and you're using it. And it seemed like it would suck if the box turned into this like walking advertisement, like what you need to do on the back of a box isn't necessarily what you want to carry in your hand and right. play with. Like it, it, it sort of breaks it when you're like, oh, it's got the cell language on the back. And, and so we're talking about and want to do the sleeve. Um, again, you're with a sleeve, with an insert, you're dealing with a printing sheet that folds. And so like if you look like, it's like paper craft, as I guess it would. Whereas in a, for a punch board, a punch board's a one-to-one. You just lay everything out flat and you just make sure they're not touching each other. For any sort of sleeve or box, it's a folded thing, so you're you're going to get this long view of the asset that you sort of then build, uh, and so they all print flat, and then they fold it up and glue it or whatever they're going to do. And so, the the best thing to keep in mind there is just once you get that file from the printer, in terms of hey, here's the flat version of it, and you have to give us give them the print sheet, just do it on your own print it at your house and cut it and put it together so you can see your seams your bleed how the lines line up how you know again on on heroes uh, and tricks you have art that's going around bends right and understanding what that means and that kind of thing yeah what about the cost as far as that goes um not not, not much i mean it costs about the it costs about the same as a colored sheet of paper oh, plus gotcha. a little bit more because they, they you know i mean they fold it it's a little bit more than that but it's not like um I mean, boxes cost. Boxes usually are standard size, but they the process for folding a box is something they have like it's like automated. So there there isn't a lot there. There's a little bit more folding with the the custom sheet, but you know, 
it wasn't too bad. But it's an added component, right? So if you add in 15 cents or 10, 15 cents or whatever, you know, it, it, it adds up. So you just need to like, here's, a, here, here's an example. Heroes and Tricks is priced so that it really to hit the numbers you'd want to hit in retail, it should be $25. But because of the magnet, because of the extra piece, because because it it's got the inside insert. So and you know the difference between twenty five, twenty and twenty five might be a game that costs two dollars to make it to three dollars to make it two to three fifty. The problem, it's not a problem, but Heroes and Tricks is is about the size of it's heavy, but it's about the size of a thick deck box, right? And unfortunately, and I did some research. I talked to stores. There was just no way. You could walk into a store, pick up a game that really you can carry in your hand and pay 25 for it. Mm-hmm. 20 is pushing it, but 20 seems like at least people would be like, oh, it's got this cool stuff and blah, blah, okay, 20. But 25 is like, I'm paying 25, I expect a bigger box, you know. And so despite the fact that it's dense and, but it's not like filled with cool dice, it's, I mean, it's cards on the inside. So, Part of that box cost makes it not as good a margin, if you will. And but I but because of that small size, I, I was stuck there. So Heroes and Tricks is 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 well, you know I can sell it at retail, but it, it's just not the kind of margin you'd normally want because of all that custom stuff. If it was if it was just whatever ninety nine hundred cards or whatever's in there, you might be able to do twelve ninety nine or thirteen dollar game. But but with all that extra stuff. It really, it and it really wanted to be a twenty-five dollar game, and I'm selling it at nineteen because I don't think the market can bear the twenty-five. No, it's a great point. You're you're dealing with human psychology there, and they're picking this thing up, and and we as humans just had this natural tendency to go, okay, what is the size of this, and the size of it is going to give me an idea of what it should cost. No right. matter, it, you know, it might be a, a box full of gold on the inside, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and it might be worth a thousand dollars, but I'm, it's like, oh, I don't think I want to pay 25 bucks for this. And so that's All something right. to, to keep in mind when uh, yeah, you're adding custom components. Sure. Have you seen, I think it's a Agricola, it's like all creatures big and small. Have you seen that one? Oh, uh, it's like the little well, two player deal. No, I haven't seen the little two. I mean, I'm I'm familiar with it, uh, but I I haven't played it. Yeah, I think I'm remembering this right. But I remember picking it up on off the shelf and looking at it, like, oh, okay, this is a two player version of Agricola. You know, it's got some cool ideas, but the cost. I don't even remember the cost, but I remember thinking the exact same thing you're talking about. It's like this is a tiny little box, and yet it costs way more than I would anticipate. But you open yeah. it up and it's got all these custom, you know, little animals, all these little cool things on the inside, but you know, psychologically, you're having to fight that battle. And so that's just something yeah. to, to be uh, aware of, you know, going back into the sleeve, you know, I think victory point games, basically all of their boxes are generic. It's just got the victory point logo on the outside, but then they have a sleeve that goes over all their games. So, you know, each, each box is technically the same for, for a lot of their games, but then they have the sleeve as far as, you know, do you have anything experience wise, as far as that goes, is that, uh, a good idea. Now, that's obviously going to save you some money in certain ways, but on a Kickstarter, you have to mail your stuff. So, understanding your box size is really important mm-hmm. as it p- pertains to the U.S. postal system. So, easy example: all my boxes, gem pack cards, siblings trouble, herbaceous, fit in a uh, medium flat rate, not medium, excuse me, small flat rate box. What's happened? In the last two years, they've reduced the size of that box. So actually, none of those games fit in that box anymore. But when I made them, they did. 
having Bach games that are the same size is hyper valuable. Whenever I ship anything anywhere, I can if I'm doing all my different games, I can line them all up. Um, they all fit. So I I sort of have liftoff, which is my big size, and I may or may not stick with that big size, and then all my sort of small, medium ones with their basic siblings from cart gem packs are all exactly the same dimension of box. And then Heroes and Tricks is super unique. But it it's definitely good to know the size of your box. I think it's valuable to sort of have a line. In other words, like I like that my games sort of fit in the same box, and I, I think it's pretty common to sort of try, try to stick to it. But you know, it's probably not the end of the world. You know, you you wouldn't want it to drive every decision you make some way, trying to keep the same box size, unless you were like doing a thing where you're like, this, this is what our company's going to do. Right. If, if the industry did a better job overall of sticking to the same box size, it would be one thing. But there's no, it's not like there's three box sizes in the industry, so everyone shelf looks like crap nowadays anyway. So <laughs> yeah, it's um, hard to get it all lined up. Yeah. All right, so any any kind of last advice, you know, just people that are thinking about custom components, wanting to do custom stuff, anything just in general you would tell them? Yeah, in general, make it on your own first. Work with a local makerspace, your printer, Kinko's, Lowe's, whatever it makes sense, and try to make it all first, and then use it as a basis to then go work with a printer. Awesome. Well, Eduardo, man, really appreciate your time. Uh, we're about to go into a bonus round. I got a quick uh, Kickstarter question for you. You got a question sure. about stretch goals and, and how do you okay. kind of figure those out. But, man, really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, if you want to check out the uh, bonus round, go over to BoardGameDesignLab.com. You can check out all our bonus material and, and resources we have over there. But, Eduardo, have a great day, man. Really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at BoardGameDesignLab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?